Hi, everybody. Welcome to Busy Living So Bah. Busy Living So Bah. Busy Living. And we are on podcast 171, episode 171 with Chris. What's up, Chris? How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm so excited. I'm so excited to have you here. This is so amazing. Can I tell them the backstory or do you want to tell them the backstory? Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I tend to be pretty detailed, so if you want to give it, and maybe I'll uh, I'll fill in a little. Okay, perfect. So um, I did an interview with Corey O'Brien, and that was amazing, so, amazing. And I put up his podcast, and within a couple days, I heard from Chris because Chris was really moved by what Corey had said. Hence, I said, "All right, Chris, I really think you need to come on our show." So here we are. We are here. I didn't give too much detail, so you get to add to that, because I want you to tell us your story anyway. Okay, cool. Well, I, I'm so excited about this. Um, the the po- So I listen to your podcast every time there's a new episode. Sometimes I listen to it multiple times. Um, the Corey O'Brien one, I just was like in my morning, like doing my thing. I was so happy to hear Busy, seeing Busy Living Sober like she does every time. And, and I just... I was literally like crying. I think I was shook, like is the best way to describe it. I just, and sometimes words don't even do justice to these things, but um, you know, hearing somebody else say so much of what resonated with me on this kind of platform is, is huge. Like to, to be, to felt like you're not alone. You're being heard by, by another audience, even though it's somebody else speaking it, you know? Um, but what Corey said about about his trials with, you know, self-acceptance, and I don't know that he said it exactly like that, but this is what I got from it. Um, and 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 it really made me like reflective and think, you know, what, what what were the reasons that I started using? What did I use as my excuse for my bad behavior, so to speak, you know? Um, and and so much of it of it resonated with me that the rejection from family members, from, you know, from peers at school, from, from, from all of that, it plays a big part, I think, in most, most gay people's, um, you know, their, their story. Sorry, I'm sweating. It is like hot today <laughs> and I'm drinking coffee on top of it. So excuse me, but, uh, um, yeah, I, I was, I felt like I really had to share something about it. I was moved so much that I made a like a Snapchat and I shared it and I put it on my Instagram and Facebook, which is a little bit weird to post videos on either of them. I don't normally do that. Um, and I cried a little bit on it. So I had to stop recording because um, I didn't want to be a crybaby on the internet. <laughs> but uh, like... And then I, I reached out to you and I, I honestly was surprised like that you got back to me, like, especially so quickly. Like that was really exciting. I was like, I'm actually messaging with her. And I live here with my mom and my stepdad and I was telling my mom about it. I was like, you know, that podcast I listen to every day, busy living sober, not every day, but you know, several times a week because I was late to the game and I had to get caught up. Um, and she was like, are you serious? You know, that's so exciting. Like, that's awesome. And then when you asked me to be on the on the show and to be able to share my story, I was I was kind of dumbfounded, like really excited and and just even a little overwhelmed for a moment, just thinking like, 
well, this is a really great opportunity to be able to share my story and see, you know, if, 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 if I could help somebody feel even a little bit like you and Corey made me feel when I listened to that, um, that podcast. It's so amazing because I think that every time I say at the end of the show, I'm like, write to me, you are not alone. And I think people think that I'm kidding, but I'm not, obviously. <laughs> like, come on, call yeah. me. And I've, I've written to a couple of other podcasters um, that I listened to and didn't ever receive anything back. So I kind of, I just, I just wanted to put it out there for my own peace of mind, you know, like, hey, this really moved me. And I know that you're very, like, this is very, like, ground level, you're very rootsy, like, it's so organic. Like, I'm not going to lie, I feel, <laughs> this is so cheesy, but I feel like part of your family, because, like, you have your husband on, who I totally enjoy hearing, and you have your kids talking about their um, college experiences, and, like, and getting insight into other people who are, you know, in other parts of the country, it's, it's so awesome. And it's like, it kind of came to me, this podcast kind of came to me in a time that I really needed it because I've, I've not been a 12 step program goer, but I really needed to feel, to have something more in my life than just the treatment, just the therapy once a month. Like that stuff is great. It's so good for me, but I need to have, um, I need to have something daily, you know, I need to, I need, and podcasts have been great for me. I listen to this one. I listen to one that's called gay dating secrets, which is awesome. I listen to one that's called how to stop wanting him back, which is awesome. Like, and, and they really become a foundation for me, um, to get through the day, you know, and to find new ways to challenge myself, new ways to think positively, new ways to express myself. Like, it's, it's been phenomenal for me. Like technology has so worked in my favor through this sobriety process. Like we have resources now that were not available to so many people before us that we should really be utilizing and taking advantage of because we're so privileged to have the, the opportunity to be able to do this. I mean, look at, we're just two random people on opposite sides of the country who are coming together because of you know, something that's floating invisibly in the air. Like, who would have thought that that could be a possibility for us in the future? We're living in the future. <laughs> amazing. It's amazing. So will you tell us about your story? And you don't have to go in that deeply, but I know right. that you were obviously, you grew up in, so do you want to tell people how you grew up and how you got introduced sure. to drugs and what happened with your story? Absolutely. Um, so I kind of moved around quite a bit when I was a kid. I lived in Southern California for a time, um, then in Washington State, just out of Seattle. Um, and that's all kind of prior to like the, the real um, front of my story. But my parents divorced, separated um, when I was 13, 12 or 13. And we moved to Payson, Utah, which is a small town. Um, and Oh, that was my world just kind of fell apart. Like my parents split. I was coming to terms with my orientation. Like we moved from the city to this rural place where I felt like an alien, you know, like there was nobody like me at school and I got picked on quite a bit. And, you know, I was, I, the first couple of years, I was actually really like a popular kid in school, hung out with all the clicky kids and, um, I had told my best friend that I was gay and confidence that he wouldn't tell anybody. And he told everyone. <laughs> and so I got 
kind of bombarded with it at school and I went from being somebody who was seen as one of the cool kids to a complete outsider. And so, I mean, the, the obvious choice was to start running with people. I had to find a different tribe, you know, and that was the outcasts. And what did the outcasts do? We smoked cigarettes, we smoked pot, we ditched school, you know, like we were, and it, we were mostly troubled kids. And, uh, you know, through, through, through all of this, I never wanted to, I mean, nobody ever wants to be a drug addict or an alcoholic or whatever, but, you know, I started, I partied a lot and I always kind of, have you ever seen the movie Clueless? Okay. So there's a part where she's introducing Ty to the like school and she's taking him around and she's like, it's one thing to spark up a doobie and get laced at a party. It is quite another to be fried all day. Well, I use that quote all the time. Like that was my, that was kind of like my thing. Like, I party on the weekends, I'm cool the rest of the time, you know, and they kind of pulled it together and that kind of went up and down for years and years and um, went to raves, was a punk kid, like all this stuff did, a, and, and I wouldn't give any of that, I wouldn't, that was, I had some really amazing experiences throughout this, you know, did drugs need to be a part of it? No, I know that now, but um, they were a part of my experience, unfortunately. Well, when I got to be in my 20s I moved to Salt Lake City downtown and lived there and really kind of felt free finally like I was able to to be expressive of who I was and you know really come into my own and I was somewhat successful for for what my situation was and I was happy for a time and um was still partying though and started doing cocaine on the weekends um which was a total slippery slope uh, that became more and more, became worse and worse. My drinking became worse and worse. Um, I got into a relationship for about six years. And the boy that I dated, when I got with him, I was getting blackout drunk all the time. And he was not going to stay with me through that. So I stopped. I stopped getting blackout drunk. I would only drink wine and beer, and I would only drink a little bit. Now, he broke up with me. And my grandmother passed away. Stuff that happens in everybody's life that's hard to deal with. And I, being this, I just became this victim, you know? Everything was, was negative. I couldn't, I couldn't see the good anymore. My body was breaking down. I had been a runner who, I would go running. I had gone from being 200 pounds to 130 through exercise, like, which was incredible. Um, but all of that just fell apart. It just decayed and my body was breaking down. I was getting um, kidney stones and um, stopped running and was depressed. And uh, somebody, I was managing re a restaurant at the time and working really long days, 12 hour days. And one of my coworkers who I partied with introduced me to heroin. And he said, just do this one time to help manage the pain and and you know you're going to be fine. It's not going. It's not going to hurt you. I knew better than this. I have friends who have passed away long before this from heroin use. I was so desperate. I thought, well, if this can help me get through the day, I'll try it. You know, and I did. And at first, it seemed like it was the answer. That stuff brings you down hard and fast. Everything else I've done in my lifetime didn't didn't mess me up like that. That I lost my job. Got arrested at work lost my apartment, my house, I mean my apartment, my car, sold everything I owned, was literally 
gone from having this good job, you know, and being completely independent to just being nothing, you know, and, and I hated myself. I, and I, I just, I barely made it. Anyway, it was the summer of 2018. I knew I had a really bad problem and I came to a family member, my cousin, and I told him, you know, Hey, I, this is what's happening. I'm addicted to heroin and I don't know how to stop. Like I can't, like my body is chemically dependent upon it. If I don't do it, I can't go to work. If I don't do it, I can't get out of bed. It was terrifying. Like I didn't know what to do. Um, he got me a plane ticket, flew me out to California and I stayed on his couch for two weeks while I detoxed. Now I was just trying to quit heroin. I thought I could still do every other drug in the world and I could drink still. So while I was there, I was doing, you know, was taking copious amounts of volume and drinking and just being an utter shit show, just trying to get through this, you know? And I told myself like, okay, if this doesn't work, which obviously it didn't, then when I get home, I will get myself in a program, but I don't ever want to be one of those people who are a recovering addict. Like I hated that. I did not want to be that. I, I, I hated the stigma around it. I couldn't, I could not digest it could not. And I got home, sure enough, within a couple of weeks, I was back, back at it. And um, I think that's actually when I got arrested. That is when I got arrested. Um, lost my job, got another job. It was a really good job too. It was a server at a really beautiful French restaurant in the avenues where I lived. I loved that job. I only had it for a month. Like, because I couldn't, I couldn't get my shit together, you know? And, um, anyway, that I finally, and, and this is really hard to talk about, but we're going to kind of just breeze past it. In April of 2019, I tried to shoot myself. Um, and my friend that I was living with caught me. And, uh, some other things happened. Um, my friend's parents who I was staying with asked me to leave. Um, I knew, like, I knew it was die or choose to live and change my life. My mom, um, I came out to her as, you know, as having this problem. She finally asked me, like, what the hell is wrong with you? Like, you've been acting crazy for years now, and you've never been like this. And I, I told her, and... I came up with, I devised a plan to get out and, um, and to get myself into treatment. And I made all of these promises to myself. And honestly, it's been a miracle. It's like ever since, um, you know, we are six days away from my, my year mark. Isn't that incredible? Like, <laughs> but I'm like, it's like any day now. I'm so excited for you. Right. I, I, um, it's kind of been, I don't want to say it's been easy for me, but it's been a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. And you know what is, is, is so the most empowering, beautiful thing about it is that I was so scared. And when I went back into date, the dating world or telling people at work or, you know, anything like that, I was like, how are they going to react? They're going to think I'm this crazy person. They're going to treat me different. I like, that is not the case. I have been accepted with open arms through the gay community, my work life, my friends, my family, 
that's not to say that there haven't been people who, who didn't believe that I could do it, who didn't push me away because there was, I was, there's definitely been adversity there, but like I would venture to say 90%, if not more have just been amazing to me. Like it's, it's, it's overwhelming. Like it's so incredible, the positivity and respect and, um, support that I've received. It's, it's immense. It's beautiful. And honestly, even, even looking at the stuff that we were talking about that's happening in our world today, like I take, I take, um, refuge in the fact that people are still going to come together. We're all going to love each other still. And this is temporary and COVID-19, the president, all of that's going to move on. Like, and we're all going to be human beings and all still be capable of loving. And that's what gets me through the day, you know? Um, but I hope that wasn't too long. Oh my gosh, that was so amazing. It was so amazing because you really touched on what we all go through. It's like we have, we go to this place where we're like, we're feeling really down and somebody introduces something. We're like, oh my God, that thing is going to make me okay. I'm yeah. going to finally feel okay. And right. then the problem is, is if we have that addictive gene, we become addictive. And then it's like, forget it. We're off to the races. Right. And then you're like, I'm in this. How do I get out of it? The only way is either I'm going to die yeah touched upon which was so moving or i'm going to decide to change and i'm going to get out of this and reach out for help which you did which is so amazing that you called your cousin and right. you were willing to be vulnerable with him and say you know what here i come and i'm going to stay here and then tell your mom and be like i don't care i'm just going to do this right it's amazing and you mentioned that you um you don't you actually don't go to 12 step and i and yesterday you even we talked about it a little bit yesterday and i you know i respect whatever way people works for you because obviously it's working because here we are six days you know to your one year which is just i i i, I keep just wanting to go yeah <laughs> Uh, no, um, I, and I don't, I don't want to knock NA or AA or 12 steps or anything. Um, I, I had a weird situation that happened to me when I was in my twenties with a friend of mine who was actually in heroin addiction. And I went to her with NA to an NA meeting and she was using with her people. And so that kind of thought made me think in my head, well, this could be triggering for me. Now, since then I've talked to so many other of our, of our, people that are in recovery and they've said, no, that's not the case. That's not how it is. You know, it really depends on the group. You just need to find a group that you fit in. So I do have like a list of groups that I want to go and join. And that was something that was on my agenda to do. And then COVID-19 happened and it was like, I don't want to go to my first NA meeting online. Um, but something really cool that happened around my wanting to go to my first NA meeting, I was listening to Gay Dating Secrets, that um, podcast. And he said, when you're dating people, instead of instead of setting up one of those dates where you go meet for coffee or you meet at a restaurant and it's all awkward and you feel like you have to, like, just, it's too much, you know, and nothing really comes from those. And I was like, you know what, he's right. Like, nothing really does come. So he said, next time you plan an event that you want to do, just invite along one of your suitors, you know, one of these men that you think about. So that day I was talking to somebody random that I was friends with on Facebook. And he was like, I noticed that you're sober. You post about it all the time. It's really inspiring, blah, 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 which is incredible to hear that from somebody else, especially somebody that I'm interested in, you know, like that was big. So 
And I, I said, you know what? I want to go to this NA meeting. Do you want to come with me? You know, and he was like, yes. We didn't get the opportunity to go still, but like, how cool was that? 20 minutes after listening to that podcast, I was able to put into play what I had learned. Like, it just, it's just like, it just shows you like, there's tools out there that we can use that are so amazing for us. And, 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 you know, if you're, if you're somebody who is, who is like me in that regard and you're, and it's kind of scary to, to reach out at first, start looking it up online, start finding your resources, start looking at podcasts, start listening in, just like, just take those little steps just a little bit at a time. And reach out, right? And reach out what you did here. And it's just amazing. And life just keeps getting better. What else do you think attributed to you getting this year? Like this is a huge, huge, huge deal. So what would you say to somebody who's out there and they're like, how did he do it? Like, oh my God, it's almost like, that seems like a really long time. So it's like, how did you even get that first day? I mean, were you in rehab for 30 days? I mean, how did it go? Tell us. So, oh, so the, the actual like getting home part of it, getting um, on my path. Oh, like this it's kind of intense at first. I, I had tried several times to get into this program and it's called, um, Project Reality here in Salt Lake City. And then there's one here in, in Provo in Utah County. And um, because I was on a benzodiazepine called Klonopin from my psychiatrist for a lot of years, and I took three of them a day to manage my anxiety, which BTW I don't take anymore is amazing also. Um, but uh, they wouldn't take me because you can't, they won't put you on methadone or Suboxone or any of those things if you're on one of those because it's a liability to them. So that was a big hurdle for me and I kept with it and kept with it. And even the medical community told me some things that I was like, not so happy about, like that I needed to not put myself into, um, withdrawal yet. Do you, do you follow what I'm saying there? Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. And that, that was a really hard pill for me to swallow because I was like, are you telling me to go out and use right now? And they were like, well, if you quit using both of these medicines at the same time, it has probability to kill you. Exactly. And I was like, Oh, well, that's, you know, and that's part of the reason why th that is so important to go to the doctor when you're going through these things, because what if I hadn't I actually, I have a story about that. I did not know that that was so dangerous. And I did take stop taking my Klonopin and stopped using heroin when I was staying with my friend. Um, and I had a seizure, um, which was terrifying. And I was there by myself. And the only reason I knew was because I was on the bed feeling sick and terrible. Something happened and I opened my eyes and I was on the floor. And it was, I was scared to death. I knew, I thought I was gonna die. Um, but so I got home and uh, we got, went through this whole process. My mom, she works at the, at the uh, what is it called? The justice building here, the courthouse. And the uh, program is actually in the same building. So I was able to ride with her to work in the morning, go to treatment first thing, get my medication, get on the bus and come home. Um, and that, that worked for a while and that program is excellent, but it was really hard for me because it's about a 45 minute bus ride away. And I have, you have to be there before 8.30 AM to get treatment and or your medication. And, um, 
So I was talking with somebody else there and I found another program and it's called MAT with Mountainlands here. And this has worked out way better for me because I go in, they determine based on your situation, how often you go in and I see them for treatment now. And I love my treatment doctor. She is amazing. Her name is Stacy. And oh, like anytime I've come in there and I've been sad or anything, last time I was a, a like had a little bit of trouble and she pulled up my my intake picture and she she held up a mirror and she said come around here and look at this and we looked at my face now compared to then and I just started crying you know like it's incredible I look like a different person like you can see in my eyes alone like that they they like they I don't look dead anymore you know like and it's just it's crazy Anyway, I, uh, I do see, I see a therapist here in town in Payson. Um, now I've had a lot of, there's been a lot of monetary problems, you know, like losing jobs and stuff. And my family is pretty, you know, like we're pretty ground level. Like, um, the, the, there's so many programs right now that are out there to help you and that you can sign up for and stuff. I'm not paying to see my therapist until the end of this year, which that's incredible. Like, like who knew that these resources were here, you know? And, um, I do, I do pay for my treatment and I pay for my medication that I'm on. Um, but they work with me on a sliding scale. Um, I do have an incredible job now. Um, I work with my best friend's husband. He owns an accounting and tax firm and I work there. Um, I love our clients and, I have so much fun with it. Um, but yeah, I've, I've not really done much group stuff, which is something I really want to look into more. Um, I think that something that would benefit me more is to find a group of people who can understand me a little better. As sometimes my friends and my family who haven't been through this kind of look at me like, whoa, what is going on here, you know? And sometimes, you stumble into some memories that you need to process like then, like I kind of was in denial about the whole gun incident until like eight months into my recovery or so. And then I was like, Whoa, that happened. Like I, I put that out of my brain, like, and I had to deal with it and, and, but it's dealt with now I've processed it and, and look, I mean, that was only a year ago and look at where I am now. You know, like crazy big things can happen when you let them, you know, I would have really had to have fought to stay in, in, in addiction pretty much by that point. Like it was, it was really my choices were, I mean, I could have maybe found somebody to couch with, but my choices were go stay at a homeless shelter or a park bench or get my ass in gear, you know, like and the fact that you chose the latter is what brought us here today because life is all about getting busy living sober and having this life that's like amazing and the joy that I can see in your face. And now that we're doing this video thing too, it's yeah. kind of fun so people can actually see you. I want to go on YouTube and they're going to be like, oh my God, there's Chris and he's totally relatable. I can totally relate to you. I love that. You know, um, I, I think it's really cool that you're doing the video thing now because I'm not, I haven't really seen you much before. And like, like I said before, I almost feel like a part of your family because you know, like I listen to you so often 
and you've had your husband on. Um, what is his name? J.F. J.F. John okay. Frederick. He goes by J.F. though, but his name is okay. John Frederick. Gotcha. Yep. I love hearing him talk too. Um, I, I like it when you, your two's uh, banter with each other. Um, he tends to get you a little more vulnerable than you do on your own. And I love to see that side of you that that's kind of a little more reserved. That's really cool and interesting. Um, yeah, I, I don't think that I realized the power of sharing until I stumbled across this podcast. Um, and, and you know, I, and I keep, I keep coming back to this because it's been so big for me and so helpful to me, but like the tools that I've found, like thought work and, and when I say thought work, I mean like, I don't know. It's kind of a whole thing. <laughs> if, if you're, if you're into self-help stuff at all, like, um, there's a, there's a lady named Brooke Castillo who has a podcast also that's called the life coach, um, school for life coaching, I think is what it's called, but she has all these thought models that, that are super helpful, um, for me to get through the day. And, um, that the other one that was, uh, what is it called? How to stop wanting him back. That's really good as well. Just the self-talk, like being positive in your communication with yourself, pushing out those negative thoughts. We do have control over the way we think about ourselves and we need to stop beating ourselves up. We need to be accepting of ourselves. That was something that I didn't even know about before was self-acceptance, you know, like I just was so crucial of myself all the time and just beat myself up. It's so unnecessary. We're allowed to be human. We're allowed to have our emotions. Like anybody who's dismissing that, you don't need them. Just let it go, you know? Go on and do you. Like reach out. I don't know. Be vulnerable, which yeah. you have been today. And I have to thank, thank you. you so, 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 so much. I just love that. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad I got to meet you. I'm so glad you came on. Me this too. Has been wonderful, Chris. And you. you know, it's what Corey and I talked about. It's like, nobody teaches you in school how to love yourself. Nobody says, oh my gosh, how do I fall in love with me? Yes. And that's what you're learning. And you're getting all these tools from different resources and it's working mm -hmm. for you. And I have to say six days in advance, congratulations. Well, thank you. That's really incredible. Yeah. And um, can I put your email address if anybody feels like Absolutely. Whatever, whatever information you want, you can put my email. If you want a link to my Facebook or Instagram, they're welcome to follow me. Like I try to keep my posts positive and upbeat and I try to share my story there as well in case anybody needs to hear it or, and I would be happy to talk to anybody who wants to conversate about where they're at, even if they just want to share, they need to get something off their chest, whatever. I love it. Like I'm happy to, I love meeting new people. I love hearing stories. We have so much as human beings to share and grow from each other with, and we're, and we should really be utilizing that. Well, we did it today and Absolutely. I'm going to share all this and I am so excited and it was so great meeting you. Love and it. until next time, everybody keep getting busy living sober. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.